0: It's all right? Mm. Shall I just keep going then? Okay. So, um, what Jodi really do is uh, sort of, in a distortive way, mimic traditional informed coding. In programmer circles, there is a demeaning term for unskilled coders who assemble code from bits and pieces they find here and there. It is called cargo cult programming. The name cargo cult refers to millenarian movements, which are a mix of social and religious movements developing under colonial oppression, that believed certain rituals would bring prosperity and freedom. One such ritual was, for example, making landing strips for airplanes out of sticks and stones, so that wealth would come down from the skies. In the Wikipedia, it on cargo cult programming, It says that this type of programming is characterized by the ritual inclusion of code or program structures that serve no real purpose. Jody adopted this term for highlighting the difference between them and the industry-oriented media art professionals that dominate the field of art and technology. When I learned the name of the Tactical Magic Festival in Tasmania, I felt they had to a relation to this approach, a festive drumming started to sound from afar. So by embracing terms like cargo cult programming, or by speaking of technical magic in relation to art and technology, something unusual happens. Both terms create a breakaway from traditional approaches of art and technology. It turns out the ritual enclosure of Code or program structures that serve no real purpose can be a purpose, a goal of its own. Using magic rather than simply being creative, as in, for for example, the creative industries, to me has a similar undertone of goal-oriented uselessness. Both cargo card programming and magic can be seen as ways to escape prescribed applications of tools and technologies, and as playful or poetic ways to develop one's own world. For artists to explore methods and materials to and even beyond their limits is a common way of working, but this is not easily accepted from artists using technology. They are expected to be either innovative or skillful technically in the electronic art world, or to ignore the specific traits of their tools and context almost completely in the contemporary art world. I want to point to two strange and influential positions taken over the past half century that show different ways in which the beauty and significance of technology for art and culture can be erased from history. The first is that of John Cage, this science piece, 4 minutes and 33 seconds, is generally hailed for its revolutionary new approach to sound and music. After this work, any could be music. Music scholar Douglas Kahn, however, points out the disturbing aspect of his work. Cage literally wanted to silence the noise of modern life. And I quote him now, what becomes apparent in general is that while venturing to sounds outside music, his ideas did not adequately adequately make the trip. The world he wanted from music was a select one, where most of the social and ecological noise was muted along with other more proximal noises. Moreover, his ideas did not make the trip at a time when the social conditions of morality and the nature of of sounds themselves, in Cage's term, were continuing to undergo major transformations not immediately amendable to music as practice." Cage did not or could not acknowledge the influence of technology on our hearing. Radio technology had extended the reach of our ears in the mid 19th century, and it even rendered naturally soundless things audible, like magnetic wave waves or solar static, examined through radio telescopes. Kill, uh, quoting uh, Douglas Kahn one more time. Cage built a musical. B- Uh, Cage chose to reach back to a silence of almost a century before 4 minutes 33 seconds. Now, something similar, but on a much wider scale, happened after conceptual art. The notion of art as idea, as a linguistic product and cultural construct, completely swept aside any necessity to deal with specific material aspects of art. American author Chris Krause, with no relation to Rosalind Krauss, is but one critic among many who have said the medium no longer matters. She makes no distinction between video and digital media, for starters. I quote, the complete ubiquity of video and other digital forms within contemporary art has rendered discussion about it as medium obsolete. There is no longer anything singular about video. Images are everywhere. To attempt at any definition of video would be as meaningless as asking, what is contemporary art? All art is now conceptual, defined by its stance in relation to art and its place in the market." Discussion about video and digital media is conveniently declared obsolete. We do not have to talk about their properties, according to Chris Krauss and others. But both video and digital media have largely been developed after conceptualism. That persisting heritage of cons- conceptual art was well aware. This means that their material aspects have barely been out of any discussion, let alone of thorough analysis The result is that the most significant difference between video and digital media gets overlooked and other uh, differences too. But So the most significant difference between video and digital gets overlooked. Many texts about art and digital media focus on the production, the reproduction and the sharing of images, but the art in this context is process based rather than screen or image based. By declaring the medium obsolete, very interesting and vital practices and shapes of art in the digital era are obscured. Like, for instance, code art, decentralized installations, online performance, technical media art, et etc. The obscurity in which we work shows the face of reactionary the new phase of reactionary art politics. The noise Cage did not mind, and the digital media we cannot discuss properly are both a threat to the pleasant stability of the higher echelons of culture, where many who once fought the vulgarity of mass media and the cultural industry now reside. Shutting out the dirt of new technologies, however, is clearly not a solution to the issues of the changing cultural environment that Cage, the conceptual artists, and others trying to overcome. The noise produced through digital media has many layers. Artists working with technology operate in a changed context from that of Cage or the conceptual artists. The internet has enabled an explosion of network communities that organize themselves online and offline. In which different disciplines and levels of professionalism mix. The media labs of the 19, which mostly served as access points for people who did not have internet at home, like I also started at media lab in 1995, have been and replaced by hack labs, where both technology and community are reinvented. Meetings are organized between labs. Festivals celebrate on and offline cultures like your Christmas. In these places, coders that look down on cargo cult programmers can learn about art, and artists can learn more about code. Learning and teaching has become a part of underground experience. The magic happens there. I want to close off with a quote by uh, Fatla artist, Evan Roth, who illustrates this last thing, a lot of the work I make that I'm inspired by stem from hacking philosophies. I think those philosophies aren't just relegated to existing online. I think graffiti and street art movements are ultimate extensions of that, even if graffiti artists don't self-identify as hackers. I take a lot of inspiration from those communities, People who are looking at physical systems the way hackers are looking at digital systems. Ways they can turn those structures that seem really rigid to their own use. Thank you.